uh, Acts 17, 24 through 28. This is near the end of an amazing, an amazing sermon and record that we get of what Paul preached to the Athenians, to those in Athens. It's a very, very rich text. We, we're not going to be able to get into it, but what's so amazing about it is it's this perfect uh, balance, and, and of course it is, it's in God's Word, it's going to be perfect, whatever it is, but you, we see this amazing balance between cultural relevancy, in other words, meeting the Athenians where they are in their situation, speaking their language so that they hear the gospel, cultural relevancy with the unashamed, clear word of God. And of course, the Apostle Paul hit that balance right on every time, I'm sure. We don't always do that as well as we could. But that's in part what makes Acts 17 so powerful. But here he's talking to them about uh, a God, the God, of course, who rules and reigns over all, who's sovereign, like we're going to talk about tonight, which gets at the idea of providence, which is going to be in the catechism. So listen to Acts 17, 24 through 28. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live, he determined. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. That's God's word on the sovereignty and providence of God. And then we're going to look at the first part of Lord's Day 10, question answer 27. And if we could read it all together, um, is that, is, could you, is it, to put it the next slide once? Okay, so that we're covered with the screen. I just, I just want to make sure it wouldn't uh, go. I'm worrying about nothing again. We're going to talk about worry today. I, I worry too much. <laughs> we're going to talk about trust. Um, so let me read the question. Let's all read the answer. What do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. It's a summary of God's word in the catechism for us tonight. Brothers and sisters, how God's sovereignty makes your life beautiful. That's our theme. How God's sovereignty makes your life beautiful. Everyone wants to have a beautiful life in this sense at least. We want to be people who are liked, who are loved, who are appreciated. We talked about a God-centered faith and life 
with Lord's Day 1 a few weeks ago. A God-centered faith and life is not only what is right. A God-centered faith and life is not only what you need. It not only will benefit you and your loved ones for all eternity. It's not only what the world needs, a God-centered faith and life, but it will also make your life beautiful, even attractive, because a God-centered life will lead to living as God intended it and God created it. And what I want to do is lay out a number of ways in which God's sovereignty, in particular, that peace of who he is, that piece of our faith what, that we call the sovereignty of God, I want to lay out how in a number of ways God's sovereignty makes the lives of his people beautiful. And I want to do that by describing what kind of people God's sovereignty makes us to be. The Lord's Day, just before we get into that, this Lord's Day is part of the Catechism's study of the Apostles' Creed. Remember from a couple weeks ago, the Apostles' Creed is that minimum core of what the true faith is that we talked about. Lessons 9 and 10, we're on Lesson 10. Lessons 9 and 10 explain what it means when we profess, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The truths, the realities of God as creator and God as provider, the doctrine of creation and providence come out of that. Lord's Day 9 deals with what it means that God's creator. Lord's Day 10 is about providence. But I'm using in the sermon title a little different word to get at providence tonight, and it's the word sovereignty. Sovereignty. Similar to providence, God's sovereignty is a way to talk about the fact that God is almighty, that he is in control, that he reigns over all completely. John Calvin said that this was, this is the overarching word that summarizes everything that God is, all of his attributes. Sovereignty, that God is sovereign is the best description of him. God is in loving control over this world, this universe, and our lives. The thing about the sovereignty of God is, and, and how control, you know, we're saying God is control. The, the funny thing is, you know what we silly human beings think? And we think that if we had control over our lives, everything would be perfect. We do think that. We think that if we had control over our lives, everything in our life would just turn out perfectly. If someone's trying that, what I'd like to do is say, hey, how's that working out for you? There's a movie I, that I heard about but didn't see called The Butterfly Effect. And I understand the premise is something like, I think it was from a few years ago, someone goes back, is able to go back, I believe, in time somehow and make, cha make changes in his decisions and make decisions just how he would have wanted them to be for the better. And it just, from what I understand, it turns out to be 
And like I said, I know nothing about this movie. I don't know if I'm talking about a rated R movie or whatever. But from what I understand, he just, it makes a complete mess of his life. Every decision that he makes, every time he tries, it has all these ramifications. The fact is, only God's sovereign control will order your life correctly. Only God's sovereign control will make your life beautiful. How does this reality make our lives beautiful? Here we go. First of all, God's sovereignty makes us trusting people. God's sovereignty makes us trusting people. A child puts its trust in the guidance of her father and mother. She trusts them to provide food, to take care of her health needs, provide an education, and so on. That's a healthy trait, a healthy characteristic for a human being to have, right? To be trusting. Someone who is untrusting has been hurt or damaged in life and will be jaded about life. Providence, or God's sovereignty, means that God is in control over everything, including our lives, and that he provides for every need for you, his child. Providence and creation are connected. The fact that we're created means that we are all dependent on God. Providence really carries that out. Providence means we continue to always have to rely on our Creator. It's very different from human creations. Like, let's say, a human builder. Which makes sense because we're dealing with God. If a person builds a house... That builder, that creator of the house, if you want to call him that, at some point leaves the project behind and an owner moves in. And that owner is responsible for the house and its upkeep, right? The original builder has no connection at all anymore with God because every molecule of the universe was created by him and for him That's not how it works. He builds the house of the universe, but providence says he continues to be an active part in it, upholding it, ruling it. We live in this house of the world and the universe, all us people, but he never leaves, and it's still dependent on him. On the universal scheme, if God would ever leave the house of the universe, the four walls would collapse. That's how important providence is. If it wasn't for God's providence, we would not exist. The universe would collapse. It depends on him completely. And you can say all you want to say about the laws of physics. That's fine. They are there. But God created them, and he continues to keep them going. Without his constant vigilance, the laws of physics and we with them would collapse into chaos. That's how all-encompassing the idea of providence is. That's all fine, you might say, but the wrinkle comes in 
when we talk about that level of control and power and sovereignty, the wrinkle comes in when we talk about suffering and bad things in life. Isn't it terrible to think that God is in control and allows suffering no more than that, that he's actively involved and actually sends suffering? Because that's what the complete sovereignty of God ultimately means. God is engaged in everything. Nothing slips by him. He sends sunshine and rain. Well, that also means he sends drought and floods. How can we say this, that God wills bad things that happen? Well, the best proof, the best way I could think of to describe this was to look for just a minute or two at the most ultimate example of bad, the most ultimate example of suffering in all of history, worse than any suffering you or I will ever go through. Think of what, what's the biggest evil thing in history. It's the crucifixion of Jesus, his suffering, his death. We talk sometimes about bad things happening to good people, and how could that be? A few people actually, uh, Greg had a, a prayer for me, and I appreciate your continued prayers. A few people, mostly non-Christians, actually wondered about that and asked when I had my seizure and surgery last September, how could that happen to a pastor of all people? It just kind of rocked their world. You know, how does it happen to a good person, a pastor? And I actually had more of the attitude and, and Sarah will tell you this, um, why not me? Why not me? There's so much suffering in this world, and I've been blessed with so much already. I have an amazing wife. I have four incredible daughters, a wonderful home to live in. I have an amazing broader family and friends, an amazing church family. Who am I to have such a good, blessed life without any wrinkle? I don't deserve it. I think I had and still have that attitude, at least in part, because I know what you know, that the only truly good, undeserving person who ever lived was our Lord Jesus Christ. He never sinned. If anyone deserves to be free from the results of sin, which all suffering in this world is one way or the other, it's because of the fall into sin. If anyone who deserves to be free from that completely is Jesus. And yet he was beaten. He was whipped. He was crucified. He was given the most tortured death known in the world at that time. The type of death you only gave to the scum of the earth, the very worst criminals. Now, was this most ultimate example of suffering outside of God's sovereign control? Everyone would say, no, of course not. Was God actively involved, or did he just allow this evil? A lot of people might say that he just allowed it, but I believe it's more. He was actively involved. The Bible says so. God was actively involved in the worst suffering that we can imagine. Now, for sure, people were involved in this greatest crime of all in their sin. You can think of the Pharisees. Judas, Pilate, Caiaphas. But God, too, was providentially in control and ruling, even in the most heinous act in human history. 
Isaiah 53 says that God laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. God laid it on him. Active involvement. It was the Lord's will, says Isaiah 53.10, to crush him and cause him to suffer. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Peter and John prayed this in Acts 4, 27, 28. Herod and Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, whom you Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand would happen. So God was providentially sovereign over the worst evil in history. And yet, he did not sin or do evil in any way. God remained pure and free from sin. If God was still in control and even the worst of suffering, we can confidently say that he continues to be sovereignly in control of all things today. He wills what is best for his glory, for the best of his people. That doesn't mean you and I can figure that all out. We had a funeral yesterday and reminded of Psalm 23, that picture of God as the shepherd of the sheep, and we're the flock. We're just the sheep. We're precious. We're not just in the sense that we're not important. We're very important, but we're just the sheep. He's the shepherd. The sheep don't always understand the shepherd. We can't explain or understand it all, but the alternative to sovereignty, the alternative to complete sovereignty, it's chaos, it's chance. The alternative is that some things God lets slip through his fingers, but he doesn't. Some people, sometimes even theologians, want to chip away at the sovereignty of God, make him less than fully sovereign, but that's not what I believe the Bible teaches. Either he is God or he's not. Here's how one pastor, a pastor by the name of Reverend Kevin DeYoung, puts it in his book on, on the catechism. That means this. There are no accidents in your life. Every economic downturn, every middle-of-the-night phone call, Every oncology report has been sent to us from the God who sees all things, plans all things, and loves us more than we could know. And he says, too, whether it means the end of our suffering or a continuing of our suffering, providence means God is for us, not against us. And that means you can live a beautiful life of trust. You can live with the big smile and absolute contentment of our 18-month-old Adriana who knows that her mom, I don't know what she thinks of me. I know what she thinks about Sarah. I'm the guy who comes and goes, happy to see me go, bye, Dad. Go out the door in the morning when Sarah goes, she knows her mom will provide her with everything she needs. She doesn't worry about school, Adriana. Adriana doesn't worry about who she'll marry. Adriana doesn't worry about how much money she'll have. Adriana 
doesn't worry about who's going to pay for her wedding. Adriana doesn't worry about what her retirement will look like. Adriana doesn't worry about her health. And neither do you have to worry about those things. You can live with Adriana's level of perfect contentment because of the sovereignty of God. You don't have to worry or be anxious about your life or this world or the church or our culture. And trust me, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching this to all of you. You don't have to worry or be anxious. You can trust in him. You can let it go. The worry, the consternation, the feeling of gloom or dread around the corner, the wondering about what's next for me and my family. And sometimes in my experience, you just have to stop and very consciously let it go. Tell Satan to bug off. Tell him to get out of your mind and out of your heart. Push consciously. Push the gray clouds away and let the sun shine again in your life. You can trust him. You can live a life of trust. You can put your life in his hands. This is where God the Father wants you, his child, to live. He wants you to be in that place of complete dependence and trust on him. God's sovereignty will lead to a beautiful life rather than an ugly one of worry and fret and anxiety. You know how unattractive it is when people are worry warts. You don't have to be a worry wart when you know the Lord. Someone once wrote this and put it this way. Picturing your life as a ship. You know, we sometimes sing songs, the name of Jesus at the name of Jesus, talks about Jesus as our captain, right? That's a cool image. So picturing your life as a ship, listen to this. Why are you trying, why are you trying to steer the ship of your life? You were never in charge of it anyway, and yet you're acting like you are. If Christ, who is the real captain, ever walked you over to the wheel of the ship, of your life and said to you, here you go, take the wheel, have at it. You know what? You wouldn't have a clue what to do. You wouldn't know which way to turn the ship. You wouldn't know how fast to go. You wouldn't know what to do with the sails, put them up or down or left or right or whatever. So why do we pretend that we are in control of our lives? Next Sunday, we're going to continue with a number of more ways our lives are beautiful because of God's sovereignty. We spent a bunch of time on this first one, on trust, being people who are trusting because I believe it's a big one. Trust is knowing that God is in complete control. He's 100% sovereign, and that creates people like you and me, hopefully, are growing to be who are beautifully trusting in our lives. And when people see that beauty in your life, that beauty of contentment and trust and being able to let go of worry and fret, and you can tell them where it comes from. It comes from your heavenly Father's perfect care for you.